Welcome. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. So glad you guys are here. You know, honestly, I come out a lot of times at 1130 and sit with my family, and there was no seats. So I walk all the way around the other side, and there's no seats. You guys are packing this place out. I can't find a seat. Wow. It's incredible. Thanks for coming. Last week, you brought all your friends and your family to church for our 20-year celebration, starting our relationship series. We had 13,000 people in church last weekend. Thank you for bringing your friends. That's unbelievable. So exciting. Glad you guys are here. I don't want to start on a downer, but I do believe that because of what's happened in our country this last week, we want to stop and pray for Parkland, Florida. Can we do that real quick? And, you know, one of my dear friends, Pastor David Hughes, he's preached here several times. Uh, He's a good friend of mine. His church is two minutes from that high school. The coach that was shielding some students that died went to his church. Um, several other students went to his church as well. So he's doing lots of funerals this week. He's got a lot. I want to pray specifically for him, for their church, and for that whole community. Can we just pray real quick? Let's just do that. Lord, thank you, God, that you are still God, even in the midst of tragedies that we don't understand. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have placed an amazing church right there. God, I thank you for Church by the Glades, for Pastor David. I pray you'd bless him. I pray you'd bless the words that he says, even this weekend at their church, as if they're hurting and confused and looking for answers, God. Lord, thank you, God, that that you've placed them there. And Lord, thank you, God, that when people say, where is God in all this? Lord, you're there and all the Christians around those people, surrounding them with love, encouraging and being there for them. Lord, we don't understand why these things happen, but God, we thank you that you're there and you're still the God of all of us, even when we don't understand. We pray your blessings over them. Please give them your grace. We pray for those families that had a child that didn't come home from school that day. God, we can't even imagine that pain. We just lift them up to you and pray, God, your blessings over them. Thank you, Lord, that as a church, we can lift up other churches around the country who are simply stepping in and doing the work that God's called them to do in that moment. We pray your blessings over them. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Thanks, guys. Aren't we glad we can lift up other people and be there for them? So, well, thanks so much for being here. As Pastor David just warned you earlier, if, if you got kids, 13 or well, 13 is fine, but you know, fifth grade and below, we'd ask you to have them slip out because I'm going to go there today. So I'm excited about that. Pull out your notes if you can. We're excited about this message. I'm really pumped up. And today we're talking about love and sex, and we're talking about intimacy and pursuing one another and making it hot and all that kind of stuff. I told my wife uh, that I was going to be practicing what I preach all week, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how I roll. So anyways, uh, Glad to be here talking about the subject, and so it's going to be a lot of fun today. A friend of mine just told me, Pastor, I'm ready for your message on sex. In fact, we brought our smoke. So I was like, okay, you're ready. <laughs> so I uh, love it. So now it's going to be a lot of fun talking about this. And uh, let's say our mission statement together, first of all. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all about today. And so again, thanks for joining us. So today we're talking about how we can learn to have a relationship reset, right? We want to we want to reset it, make it red hot again. How do you do that? We're going to talk about that today because today's message is called Hot Pursuit, how to pursue your spouse to keep the fires burning. But it won't get hot until you start pursuing. So we're going to unpack that today. Pull out your notes. Let's dive right in because the very first question people always ask is, where'd the romance go? Where'd the fire go? Where'd the passion go? Man, we used to be all over each other. It used to be all this passion, this excitement, right? I mean, some guys in here are like, man, we used to actually have sex, and we used to actually, like, enjoy it instead of just get through it. And now, you know, it's like, what happened here? And I feel like, you know, something is just missing. I don't know what's going on here, right? And so it's like in the bedroom, you know, the husband and wife start acting like two old dogs where one's begging, one's playing dead. And so... <laughs> God wants it to get good again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to apologize right now. I don't. 
I'm sorry. I, I'm basically half saved. Let's just be honest, okay? So glad you guys are here today as we talk about this subject, and I want to teach you guys to pursue again. Look at the scripture with me, if you will. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, underline that word, united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, we get the second part. The second part, the one flesh means that they are one in spirit. They have unity together, but one flesh also means, in the original Hebrew language, it means bow-chicka-bow. That's what it means. It actually means that they got it on. And it means that they had sex and it was a part of their relationship. It was a regular thing that they were doing, right? And so, but listen, people always want to talk about, man, they need to spice it up in the bedroom. We need to kind of get some stuff going on here. But the truth is, that's actually not where you spice it up. Where you spice it up is by uniting again. It's by pursuing one another. So I want to break down the word united because here's the thing. Greek and Hebrew language. Hebrew, was the, Hebrew and Aramaic was the, was the um, Old Testament language, the original language that it was written in. And then Greek was the original language that the New Testament was written in. And so oftentimes the thing about Hebrew and Greek is that both those languages are very specific. See, English language is like broad brush strokes, right? I love you could mean I love you once in the rest of my life with you. It could also mean I'm looking at a Snickers bar. I love you. Right? And so love is kind of a generalized term, right? I love the rockets. I also love my wife. They're, they're, they're different kind of loves though, right? And so the reality is that we, we have broad strokes. Now, the Hebrew language is very specific. It's so specific it takes up to five English words to get one word description in Hebrew. Did you know that? So it's very specific, especially also Greek is that way too. Greek is even more specific. It's crazy. So let's talk about what the word united actually means. The root word is dabak. Say dabak. The Bach actually means to cling or adhere to, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. Wow. Like that's not just united, is it? There's a lot more there. See, we think, oh, husband and wife are supposed to be united. It means like, yeah, they're together. No, 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 no. That's not what the word means. It means they are pursuing hard after each other. Wow. In fact, let me just show you a couple other contexts of the word debak. Say debak. Here's the Bach in Psalms 63.8. I follow close behind you, protected by your strong right arm. Close behind you, the Bach. Job 41, verse 17. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together, the Bach. That's what that means. They cling together and cannot be parted. Judges, 4, Judges 20, verse 45. They pursued them relentlessly, the Bach. So that word has a lot more meaning than we are giving it credit for. So what this means, let me, let me tell you something. This is something I know that's a universal truth of every human being. Here it is. Would you write this down? Number one, by nature, we pursue what we don't have. Isn't it true? This is why we tell our daughters, play hard to get. Why? Because you're going to get pursued if you play hard to get. If you're hard to catch, you get pursued. If you're easy to catch, no more pursuit. <laughs> right? Because we tend to pursue what well, we don't have. Now, can you see the built-in problem with marriage then? Why do we stop pursuing? I got them. I caught them. They're mine. Why do I need to pursue anymore? I already got them, right? So the challenge is to learn to pursue someone you already have. That's the challenge. And so we want to continue to pursue someone. In fact, let me show you in Scripture where we actually see this happening. In fact, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's okay. You've got your Bible app. That's fine, too. Genesis 29, there's a story about a guy named Jacob who pursues Rachel. Rachel's the one he wants, right? But Rachel has a sister, right? And so check out what happens. Genesis 29, verse 16. Now, this is not in your notes, so you can just write it down, though. Now, Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah. I love the honesty, by the way, of Scripture. When it says this, it's like, wow, man, God just puts it out there. Check it out. It says, the older daughter was named Leah, and, young, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. Wow. 
Basically, they just said, Leah has a good personality, okay? So... It says, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. And so she was built like my wife, like a brick house. So it says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Seven years of pursuit. Man, that is some dedication. Now, let me tell you what happens in the story. I don't have time to read it all, but let me just say real quick. Here's what happens, right? Leah's the older one, Rachel's the younger one. They threw a Hebrew wedding, and Hebrew weddings were like serious crazy weddings. They got the music. It's just rocking out, right? Did you know the Hebrew weddings were three to five days long? Oh yeah, they, they, this is like Mardi Gras wedding. <laughs> this is like party central. It's crazy. I mean, this whole thing would have been a huge deal to go to, right? And so the, the wine's flowing. I'm not necessarily saying this is all proper. I'm just telling you what happened, okay? And so at this point, they're a day or two in, and, you know, they're basically uh, Jacob's drunk. And so he goes to bed thinking he's going to go sleep with Rachel, and Daddy brings in Leah while he's drunk, and he sleeps with Leah, the older one with the good personality. He wakes up to Leah. He's like, ah, what just happened? This is someone wronged me. This is not right. He goes to his father-in-law. He's like, what would you do? I was supposed to marry Rachel. And the father-in-law goes, yeah, man, I know about that. Here's the deal. In our culture, the oldest one's supposed to get married off first. So yeah, I did. I duped you. But if you work for me another seven years, I'll give you Rachel. What kind of deal is this? I'm like, seriously? This is Shark Tank gone bad. <laughs> and so guess what he says? Okay, I'll do it. He agrees to work seven more years, 14 years in all, to get to Rachel. You talk about pursuit, but here's my favorite part. This is what's cool about the story, is that he's already got an agreement with the father-in-law to get Rachel. So now he pursues a girl he's already got. Isn't that a great description of what we should be doing in marriage? We should be pursuing the girl we already got, pursuing the guy we already got. We should be going for it. And by the way, if you're single, let me just mention this real quick. If you're single and dating someone and there's not pursuit going on, I want to challenge you to reconsider the relationship. If you can't think of anything that resembles a date in the last couple months that you've been on with the one that you're supposed to be with, uh, you need to know that's going to turn into a dead fish in marriage. Because pursuit means that you're going after each other. And it's true that when you get married, pursuit tends to drop in passion. I'm not trying to run down marriage. I'm just, I'm just being honest that your highest level of emotion are when you're courting the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And so if you're not happy with pursuit now, I don't think I'd marry that person. I didn't say they're not a good person. They may be a great person. It just may not be the person for you. And so I just want to challenge you to reconsider that. Or if there's unequal pursuit going on that will probably continue into marriage, I probably wouldn't do that. And so I just want to challenge you to consider that. Okay, I want to get to three things here. The next, next three points are really how you can pursue your spouse still. And if you're single, just file this in your mind for I want to one day have this kind of relationship. Is that cool? And so let's dive into this right now. And so what do we need to do? The first thing you need to know is this. Number two, when you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it. Would you write that down? Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's de de deceitfulness. So if you think something, if you encourage one another, right? And so I want to challenge you to let them know how much you love them, how crazy you are about them. And so, and also men, I want to challenge you with this. Men, we need to also learn, this is a new concept. You may need to write this down because you've probably never heard of this before. I want to challenge you to learn what's called non-sexual affection. All the men were like, 
whoa, I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> non-sexual affection means you touch your wife in non-sexual places, right? You hug her, you touch her arm. Not every touch has to be here and here, <laughs> okay? There are other places on your wife, all right? Rubber shoulders without moving your arms down, okay? You know, touch her arm, let her know how much you love her. And so non-sexual affection is a big deal to a girl. Now, talking about the whole sex thing, I just want to mention something real quick, because a lot of guys have been in enough locker rooms to hear a lot of wrong content that they think is right, or they've been at work in some conversation that they probably shouldn't even be in, and so they, they're, they're learning stuff that's not even accurate. And so there's all this talk about the quote-unquote G-spot. This is supposed to be some erogenous spot that you touch a woman here, she just goes crazy, right? Men. I am an expert in the G-spot. <laughs> and I want you to know, I know where to touch a woman. Here's where a woman wants to be touched to go crazy. You need to touch her right here. You get that? Not here, here. If you will touch her heart, she'll let you touch her everywhere else. And she may even touch you. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you have to. <laughs> how do I get myself into this stuff? I don't know how I do this. But if you will touch her heart, that opens up everything else. See, see, this is where we, we make a big mistake. If you, if you ever watch these shows where they have like the sex expert come in to help out some couple, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I'm not surprised because I've done enough personal counseling with couples to know this is the truth, but sex experts always, you think they're going to say, oh, do this and do this and get the whips and change and the crazy and this and that. No, it's never that. They say, let's go back to nothing but to holding hands for the next week. You're like, what? Because you know what happens is the way you spice it up in your marriage is not by doing the naked pretzel. I don't know what that is. Please don't Google it. I have no idea. <laughs> it may be a thing. I don't really know. But I'd like to try it. I don't know. I'm just... Okay. Here's the thing. Actually, the basics work great. The only reason the basics aren't working is because you're not pursuing them anymore. Because we think sex is the power of our relationship. It's not. It's the follow-through. It's kind of like a baseball batter. I, I don't know that much about baseball, but I do know that I have some friends that are really good at baseball, and they will tell you that you don't swing to the ball. You swing through the ball, right? And so in the same way, when you're, when you're pursuing your spouse, you need to pursue them, and as you pursue them, the follow-through of pursuing them is the sex. And so in other words, if you are pouring your heart out for the one you love, pursuing them with your words and deeds the least of your problems will be the bedroom. Does that make sense? Remember when you were first married? No one had to give you instruction, right? You're like, we got this figured out, right? You're all over each other. Why? Because you're pursuing one another. But when the pursuit stops, everything else dries up. So believe it or not, the key is the united part to get to the one flesh. you got to have the united part, the, the relentless pursuing of one another. So when you think something good, say it. Let me give you a little help with this, by the way. Men, uh, we need to pursue our wives with words of affirmation. But men, I want to challenge you to say, I love you. But here's how you say it. I love you, and then say, because, and then always change the ending. I love you because you're beautiful. Great, you've used that one now. I love you because you're shapely. Okay, get off her body. I love you because... You're a really good mom. 
I love you because you're so conscientious. I love you because the way you flip your hair that one way just drives me crazy. I love you because you always use a little phrase and it's so cute. I love you because, man, can you make this amazing meal? I love that meal. Thank you so much. for me. I love you because you always think about me with this. I love you because, give them reasons. Does that make sense, guys? Instead of just saying, I love you, love you too. I love you because, and give them some reasons. And so I want to encourage you that. Now, let me also talk to the ladies for a second, uh, if I can. Ladies, pursue him with words of affirmation too. That's a big deal. Um, and, and so I will tell you right now, if you tell me at the end of this message, man, that was a great message. You were so funny, or that was really creative, or wow, that was really powerful, or God really moved. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. But honestly, that's great. But if my wife says it, oh, honey, I like the sermon. And she gives me specific things she liked. I loved it when you said this, or why wow, the way you use, the moment she says it, I turn into the sermonator. Like, it's so encouraging because I want her to respect me. The Bible actually says, husbands, love your wives, but it doesn't say, wives, love your husbands. It says, wives, respect your husbands. Did you know that? Now, he wants to be loved. That's great. But he really wants you to believe in him. So women want to be told that they're loved today, not just that they were loved yesterday, but today do you still love me? And men want to know, today do you, do you still believe in me? Do you still respect me? Does that make sense? So it's a, it's a different thing. And ladies, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to try not to tell him what he's not. Try not to do that. You know, you're just not really good with your hands. You're just not a fix-it man. You're just not really good with money. You know, you're just not really good with the kids. You're just not, listen, let me, let me explain how men work. Let me give you a little psychology about men. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just trying to give you some, some help on this. So let me just tell you, ladies, this is a big deal. And I'm kind of picking on you right now, but don't worry. I'm going to come back around to the men, ladies. Don't worry. I, I'm coming there. But, but let me just say this real quick to you, ladies. If you ever watched a, a football or baseball team, or really a basketball and a, and a football team, and there's a blowout going on. Now, all men know what I'm about to say. They're like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, like, it's third quarter, and your NBA team's up 30 by 30 points. I mean, they're just crushing them, right? What's going to happen on the court next? A fight. Every time. If, if, if your football team is getting beat 38 to 3, I have a lot of experience with this. I'm a Texans fan. And so... If your team's getting blown out, what's going to happen next? They're going to say, oh, it's getting chippy out there. What does that mean? They're getting in fights. Why? Because men don't like it if there's no chance of winning. They don't want to play anymore. And so there's a phrase that men even say. They say, I'm going to take my ball and what? Go home. Right? Ladies, if everything you're telling him is what he's not and he doesn't feel like he can get a win, he's going to quit trying. He's going to take his ball and he's going to go home. And you're going to wonder what happened. You shut him down you got to give them a win. But here's the funny thing also about men. Let me tell you something. If my team's losing 38-3 to and there's only two minutes left in the game and I know they can't win, but they score a touchdown, I go nuts like it's a Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And we're still losing massively, but I feel like I got something out of this. I got some win in at least one play. That's the way men are. Ladies, just give him something. Just anything. Baby, thank you so much. The way you showered today, you have no idea the difference that makes. <laughs> Just let him know. Give him a win. Just let him know. And say, ladies, why do you want the spiritual husbands? You, you say, man, I would just wish you'd be spiritual. And he prays, and you, you weren't impressed with the prayer. Don't run that prayer down. You expect him to pray again when you criticize his prayer? Are you kidding me? Say, baby, thank you so much for praying to your God. Uh, amen. <laughs> Honey, thank you so much for praying. I'm so grateful that you prayed. Thank you for being a spiritual leader in our home. Does that make sense, guys? Give him the win, and guess what? He'd be like, I'm going to pray next time. Like, I am the Pope, man. I'm going to go after it, right? And so just give him the win, and you get, listen, I'm telling you the truth, ladies. You get your man back in the game if you give him a little score. Does that make sense? Where are my men at? You know what I'm talking about, men? Come on. It's true, right? Just give me a win. 
I just need to know that I could possibly win this game. Otherwise, I don't want to play. If it's nothing but losses, why do I want to keep playing? I don't want to play for the Browns, man. I don't want to do that. <laughs> right? I want to win. Give me a win or two. And then it's all good. So I want to encourage you. Encourage him. Don't just tell him what he's not. You're not good at this. You're not good at that. Tell him what he is, what he is good at. Encourage him in those ways, and you will see more of that. Now, listen. Write this down. Would you write this down somewhere in your notes? Women want to know you love me today. Men want to know you believe in me today. And let me tell you this real quick. Ladies, let me tell you. When you see a man succeeding, there's a woman behind him encouraging him. I'm telling you. I've seen it over and over again. When you see a man succeeding, you will find a woman encouraging him. You don't know this, but last week we had a 20-year video. It was very, very powerful. I know a lot of you guys were crying. I was crying. I was moved too. Very, very powerful. And there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor because it wasn't time for it. There was even more great stuff. Really, really good stuff. We're going to make it like an extended version. It was really powerful. But I will tell you, my favorite part of the video, you didn't see. I didn't know my team was going to do this. But my team recorded my children and my wife telling me how much they believe in me. I bawled. I bought, it was so moving to me when my wife looked in that camera and she said, honey, thank you for being a man of faith. It, it gets me now. Honey, thank you. You have no idea that gift that was to me. Because, listen, when I walk out here and my children and my wife stand to their feet and clap, I don't really care whether you are or not. No offense, I'm honored that you do it. But when they stand to their feet, I'm king of the world. I feel the support. Does that make sense? Ladies, you have no idea the power you have. You can make your man successful by believing in him when no one else does. It's a game changer. It really, really is a game changer. This church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for 20 years ago, my wife believing in me enough to pack everything up, totally broke with a six-week-old baby and moving to Corpus Christi. We would not be here without her belief in me. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, it's true. It really is. Let them know why you love them. Tell them the why as well. Now, here's another one, number three. When you think something special, do it. See, years ago when you first were pursuing each other, you thought of something crazy and you did it. Now you think something crazy and you're like, eh, eh, I'm good. No, do it. Actually do the crazy fun stuff. And so do you remember when you were first married or, or when you were dating each other, when you just did crazy? Remember how foolish you looked and didn't care? How many men know I'm talking about? You did dumb stuff because you were trying to win her, right? My wife one time, we were dating in college. She said, man, that would have been so cool if I'd have known you my senior year and we could have gone on our, our prom together. Immediately I was like, oh, we can still do that. And so I went home and I tore up a shoebox and I, made, I, I cut out and I made prom tickets. My roommates are like, dude, you are so whipped. This is pathetic. I'm like, shut up, man. I don't care. I'm making these tickets, right? I'm, do we still have that anywhere, baby? You still have that stuff? I made these prom tickets and then I made a tiara. I had to learn the word. I made a tiara so that she could be the prom queen. And I took her out and we had our own prom. Had like a mixtape. We had the slow dancing going on. I'm telling you, man, it was awesome. And my friends made fun of me and I don't care. I got the win. It was worth it. You do crazy stuff when you're pursuing. Does that make sense? We've been to prom together. Does that make sense? And so I just want to challenge you. Don't be afraid to continue to do those kind of things. I remember one time my wife, we went out to, to dinner and the kids were little. We had a babysitter, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought I'm just going to dinner and a movie, right? We go out to eat and she gets up to go to the bathroom and didn't come back. And I'm like, wow, did I say something? Was my breath that bad? I don't know what's going and all of a sudden someone, a friend of ours comes in and says, Pastor Bill. And I was like, hi. And I realized something's going on. And they said, Jessica's gone. And I was like, okay, what happened? She's, and she wants you to find her. <laughs> really? I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> so I start searching all over town. I don't know where she's at. I finally got smart and followed the credit card receipts, right? I was like, all right, let me pull this up. Where's the last purchase, right? And so in the last purchase was at the Omni Hotel. 
I was like, oh yeah, this is getting real good. So I found, in fact, she, I walked in, she was reading a magazine. She was like, you're really quick. I didn't know you were going to come this fast. She thought she was going to get through a magazine. I was like, oh, no, I'm fast. I'm, I'm here. You know, she's like, how'd you do? I told her the receipt. She's like, oh, you know, but it was great. You know, she planned that out. It was great. She, she thought of it, but she did it. We think of fun stuff like that. Do we do it? Let's just follow through. And just when you think of something fun and crazy and special to do, just do it. Look at the scripture on this. This, this is loosely applied to marriage, but look at the verse, James 4, 17. If, in fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. In other words, if you know to do something cool, do it. Go ahead and do it. You know, send flowers when you think about it, man. Don't just think about it and go, oh, maybe one day. No, do it. Send flowers. In fact, you really want to double win? Let me give you, you know how you get double points? Send flowers to her in front of her friends. Oh, double points automatically. <laughs> don't send her to the house when no one's there. When she goes out with some girlfriends, have someone show up wherever they are and say, these are from your husband in front of all her girlfriends. Now she's got a camera around all night. She just became, every woman wants to be the homecoming queen. You just made her homecoming queen for the night. She's carrying flowers. Why are you carrying flowers? My husband just dropped these off. What? All her friends are like, wow, girl, that is awesome. Look at you. You became the envy of the night. Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage you. You know, if you think about it, do it. And this is a big one. This is the next one. Don't, don't, don't miss this next one. Here it is. It says in Revelation 2, verse 5, it says, Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Wow. So what does this mean? Check it out. When you want something different, be it. Did you catch that? You want something different, be it. Men, don't go to your wives. You need to lose weight. I, hear these guys, I had a guy come to you know, my wife. She's really let herself go. I was like, oh, really, Dwayne the Rock Johnson? As he's talking to me with his belly hanging over his belt. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> Oftentimes we want something out of our spouse that we're not doing ourselves. So, man, you want your wife to get in good shape? Get in good shape. If you start exercising, she's going to catch on. She's going to be like, you don't say a word. She's going to be like, well, I need to get in shape. Why? Well, he's eating better and he's looking good and I want to stay up with him. Make sense? You want your spouse to be spiritual? Be spiritual. Serve the Lord. Get on your knees. Let your wife or her husband catch you praying. They're like, man, well, maybe I should pray. They're praying every day now. Does that make sense? And so in other words, we are natural responders to one another. And so if you want something out of them, be it. You want them to be more conscientious, you be more conscientious. You want them to be more sensitive, you be more sensitive. You want them to be more active, you be more active. You want them to get involved in the kids more, you get involved with the kids more, and they will follow suit. If you want to see something out of them, be it yourself. Does that make sense? Is this helping anyone today? Let's say it, let's do it, let's be it. I want to challenge you to do these simple things. It is truly a game changer. You know, it says in Proverbs 31, I didn't have time to go into this, but you know, it talks about how great this woman was in Proverbs 31. And at the very end, it gives us a clue how to get to that woman. You know how you get to that woman? It says the husband praised her at the city gates. He was talking about how great she was to all, her, all his friends. Nothing makes a woman feel better than to hear later that you were bragging on her to someone else. She'd be like, are you kidding me? Oh boy, your husband was talking all about how great you are. Really? Wow. Man, your wife was talking you up. I, I didn't know that, really? Oh, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. It's a game changer. So I want to encourage you to be positive to one another. Say it, do it, be it. And the last one here, men lead the way. Men, we need to lead the way. Now, the scripture I'm going to read next should not be offensive. It's if, it, if this verse offends you, it's because you're looking out of the context of an abusive relationship. Maybe you had a dad that was a jerk, a boyfriend or a husband that was a jerk, or you've been indoctrinated by someone else who thinks this verse is bad because they had a dad, boyfriend, or husband that was a jerk. But this verse, in the right context, is there's nothing offensive about it. Let me read it. 
Wives, follow the lead of your husbands as you follow the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. So what did Christ do for the church? Let's look. The church is Christ's body. He is its Savior. The church follows the lead of Christ. In the same way, wives should follow the lead of their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Love them just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. Wow. Men say, well, I, I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm, I'm doing stuff for my wife, and she's not responding. I ain't see you died for her yet. Keep doing it. Keep serving her. Keep in the first. In other words, men, when we're supposed to lead our homes, doesn't mean, that never says Lord over your wives. Never. It says lead. Lead by saying I'm sorry first. Lead by serving them. Lead by caring for them. Lead by being tender. Lead by honoring them. Lead by being their Savior. What does that mean, to be their Savior? Now, we know that Jesus is our Savior for our souls, but you should save in every other area. Did you catch that? If you got a debt problem, you're the one that gets a second job, not her. Why? You're saving the situation. If the kids are acting up, you step in, men. You save her from having to be the bad guy. You step in. Does that make sense? You're the savior in this situation. You're the one that defends her. You're the one that helps her when everything's going wrong. When you walk in the door, she should go, oh, the Calvary's here. Because you're there to save her. Does that make sense? And so God wants you to function as the Christ in the situation, which means you go all in for her. That's leadership. Lead the way. And if you will do that, it will be a game changer. Let me tell you something else I know about women. I mean, you know, I'm an expert. So <laughs> here's the thing I do know about women. Here's the truth. This is the truth. This is just human, human nature, especially with women. Women will give you what you give them and multiply it. Whatever you give a woman, she can multiply it. I gave, I gave my wife my love. She gave me children. She multiplied it. I gave her a house. She made it a home. She multiplied it. Okay, but men, listen to me. If you give your wife disrespect, she gonna multiply that <laughs> and give you H E double L. Whatever you give her, she'll multiply. And so, listen very carefully, this men. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you are giving. Make sense? Now, ladies, let me just mention one other thing real quick. I didn't mention earlier. I just want to say this, okay? Men are sexual beings, and you need to understand, we're not perverts. I know you think we are. We're not. We're just dudes, okay? Men are the pursuers, okay? And so that's why you're like, the guy cannot quit touching me, right? Well, that's because we're the pursuers. At some point, if you don't have that, I'm going to be honest with you, I want you to think about the opposite. I can't get my husband to touch me. You sure you want that? You probably don't, right? So wouldn't it be better to always be like, get your hands, I'm trying to cook, what are you doing, I can't, right? He's all, and men can turn anything sexual, isn't it true, guys? Anything that's said, we can turn sexual. Hey, baby, you need to rotate the tires. Oh, I'll rotate your tires. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> hey, baby, you need to mow the lawn. I'll mow your lawn. <laughs> like, doesn't matter, what, just give me any word, tapioca, tapioca. I'm like, I don't understand, you know? I mean, just, we can take anything and make it sexual. It's true, doesn't matter what it is, we can make it sexual. My wife will ask me something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do it. She's like, I'm not coming on to you right now. I'm like, oh, you weren't? I thought you were. She's like, I said there's laundry in the floor. I said, I thought you said let's have sex in the laundry in the floor. That's what I heard. I thought that's what you said. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. So that's just the nature of men. Well, ladies, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. Now, it's in the context of marriage. I want to say that again. It's the context of marriage. But I want, a couple, I want to point out a couple other things I didn't get to earlier, but I want to say these things real quick, okay? First of all, when it comes to sex, it's great. It's a wonderful thing. It's a gift from God. And I'm not afraid to talk about what God created, okay? So that's why I have no shame in my game on talking about all this kind of stuff. I really don't. I'm really fine talking about it. It's a great thing. In my home, every time we talk about it, I vote yes every single time. It's a good thing. So, but here's the deal. I want to say a couple things. There are no limits inside of your marriage, 
of what you want to do. Okay? There are none. There really aren't. There's no limits. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But here is where there's a limit. If it's pushing your partner to do something that they feel disrespected by or uncomfortable doing, that's where the limit is. Make sense? Everything else, whatever you want, it's fine. Do the naked pretzel. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. But it needs to be where both parties are interested. Make sense? And I want to be real blunt and real honest right now. Okay? Man, if you're pushing your wife to do something she doesn't want to do, the only place you got that was probably from porn. Okay? And so the desire to do things that are crazy and make no sense to your wife whatsoever is probably because you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at anyways, so quit looking at that stuff. And by the way, the, the height of porn, they've actually done the studies and now it's been proven. These are not Christian studies. These are not biased studies towards Christianity at all. These are just straight up stats. And here's a stat for you. The more a man looks at porn, the more he's going to have an impotence problem. You sure you think porn's going to give you what you want? That's how the devil works. He gives you the exact opposite of what you thought you were getting. And now you can't even have sex because you thought you needed something more. You don't. Turn that fountain off. And let me tell you another thing. No woman can compete with those images. No woman. It's not even fair to ask. All right? It's also not fair to ask your man to be a sensitive billionaire like the movie show. I've never met a sensitive billionaire. I've met leaders of great corporations and CEOs and really top-notch leaders. They're good guys, but most of those guys have a hard edge to go that far in their business life. And so, and this whole concept of like, he has billions of dollars and he also has all afternoon to be with me nonstop and he's so sensitive. That's a movie. That is a movie. Does that make sense? So we are, we, are, we are comparing our spouses to caricatures. That isn't real. No woman's as sexual as a porn star. No one is that nipped and tucked, surgically altered in every area. That is acting going on. Oh, my gosh, it was so amazing. He touched your pinky. What the heck? <laughs> it's acting. Does that make sense? you got to shut that stuff off. Can I, help, can I just help you real quick, men, on this? One of the greatest things that's ever been created is a little website called CovenantEyes.com. Go check it out, man. You'll love it. CovenantEyes.com. I use it. All of my friends use it. It's a great website. It records every website you go to. And you just need to set up someone to be an accountability partner, and they get a report once a week. My accountability partner is my wife. You talk about shutting stuff down? Make sense? Okay. I want to challenge you to be accountable. And, and listen, for ladies, before you go, he's such a pervert, I can't believe it. Ladies, the way we're built is to look for stuff. And we, we just want to see something naked, so we'd prefer you. But if a man can't get that often, he's going to still want to see something naked. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm just trying to explain to you what's going on. Okay? So when you think about that. Okay? Now, the answer is not just to see something naked. The answer is to get your relationship right to where you want to be there. Okay? It's about the pursuit. If you want to have a great sex life, forget about the sex. Make it all about the relationship. And the naturalist thing in the world will be the sex. Does that make sense? Touch your heart. She'll let you touch her everywhere else. That is the key. Thank you for letting me share very openly and very honestly with you today. And reset. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Take a moment to pray right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those who are married, you may want to reach over and hold your spouse's hand right now during this prayer time. May your prayer just be something like this. God, just thank you for this amazing man or woman I get to be with. I thank you for this ball of hotness sitting next to me right now. I thank you that I get to pursue them. I thank you for the fun I'm going to have today. I thank you that I get to turn up the heat. I thank you, God, that you made us to do this. We're built for this. Those of you who are single and dating, you can say, God, thank you that one day I will have this if I'll hold out. 
I won't ruin it. Don't ruin Christmas by opening the package early. Don't shake the package. Don't touch the package. Singles, are you hearing me? If you'll honor God, he'll honor you. He will. Hold out. Wait. Oh, pastor, I've blown it. Just start from where you are. Just say, God, thank you for your grace. You give me a new freshness. And there is such a thing as spiritual virginity. I believe in that. I really do. I know a lot of couples that began to say, okay, God, we messed up, but we're going to start fresh right now. I want to honor you, God. I want this relationship to go the distance. I don't want to shortchange my future. I want to wait. Singles that don't have anyone you're dating right now, it's okay. Just say, God, thank you that I'm going to make you my one and you'll bring me my two. Make him your one. He'll bring you his two. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can pray and receive him right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You pursued me by dying for me and raising to life. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Ain't God good? His word is so true.